Welcome to Mumbition, the podcast for business-owning women by Mums & Co, where we share inspiring stories of Australian mums in business. I'm Kerry Kwan, the co-founder of Mums & Co, and I will be joined each week by our community manager, Lucy Kippist. Together, we'll discuss how our guests harmonise their ambition, livelihood, and well-being. Let's get into the inspiring stories now. In the spirit of reconciliation, Mums & Co acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respect to Elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. I'm often asked about the meaning of the co in our name, Mums & Co. While I founded the business to celebrate and support the 345,000 business-owning mums in Australia, it's also very much a community that celebrates and recognises their co. This is the partners, the friends in our lives that help us create these amazing businesses and thrive. I have a very personal experience of the power of a supportive co, um, which is grounded by my wonderful husband, Michael. He's leaned in and supported my businesses since the first startup in 2007 and has supported and loved uh, our young family. In the early years of Mums & Co and raising two very young boys, supporting Michael and I was another incredibly important male co. Uh, in my life. And uh, his name is Uncle Nat, Uncle Nat's son, who sadly passed away this year. So I would like to dedicate this episode to him. Because we live in a world where women shouldn't have to choose between ambition, livelihood, and well-being, in creating that equal world, men shouldn't have to choose either. Our guest today is advocating for a world where men, dads, and father figures embracing their caring and their career. While you may recognise Jeremy from the annual Movember campaign, he joins us today as one of the co-founders of The Fatherhood, a movement for dads to help them survive and thrive. Jeremy, we're eager to hear your perspective of our co in this special episode of Dad Vision. Jeremy, welcome. Hi, Carrie. How are you? Great to be here. Uh, we're really excited to have you here. Now, our first question is always to hear about what you do, because we believe that as business owners, as advocates, we should embrace every opportunity to share our message, to make introductions and to connect. So please, may we invite you to share your elevator pitch? I'd love to. Uh, thank you. So the fatherhood was founded around two years ago, myself and two other dads, Andrew and Luke. We saw what was happening around us in the the rise of the involved hands-on dad and felt it wasn't being represented in the media. Um, so created the-father-hood.com to reflect this movement of involved fathers um, for the benefit of everyone. And um, in doing that, what we've realised is the greatest opportunity ahead of us is to shift things within the workforce, to shift the dynamic. And so that's why we're now focused on supporting organisations to support uh, their dads to become more more involved, um, because that then benefits everyone. And I'm sure that's we'll talk about that a lot today in the podcast. Such important work. Is there a guy crushing a term? But um, anyway, uh, 
<laughs> Normally we're girl crushing, but uh, <laughs> look, I, I'd, I'd love. I'm blushing down here, but okay. <laughs> it's um, you know, we we can't do this alone, and we do need those role models. So thank you for the for the fantastic work that you're doing, and we are going to dive into that. So, what do you love about your business right now? I love that. I think it's so important and I love that everyone benefits. So we're not a boys club with a fatherhood. We are telling stories from a male perspective and championing it. Like we're a high five to dads that are getting involved and a celebration, celebration and support and inspiration for dads that we spend three times as many hours with our kids in this generation than our fathers did. So there's, there's fantastic things happening out there and great opportunities for dads and so in some ways, we advocate for them from our own experience. Um, but importantly, what I love about what we're doing with the fatherhood is uh, it, we're, it, we're for everyone. So kids benefit from pe- uh, equally involved parents. And importantly, um, partners benefit hugely. Um, and the way that we summarise that, we believe until it becomes unremarkable for um, men to play an equal role in domestic life, it will remain remarkable for women to be enjoy equality in the workforce. Uh, so just to think about that, within a within an organisation, there is this natural bias towards dad being the worker and mum being the carer. It exists today. We all feel it. I've felt it as a dad. Um, and in your community, whether where it might not be large organisations, it's um, you know small businesses and startups to enable mums to be able to work like they like they want to, and like I'm sure the listeners to this podcast do every day, they thrive if partners are equally involved and it, and it opens up that opportunity. So where for everyone, what excites me is um, is it's just this great thing that we can work together on. We're not a boys club. There's not mum's clubs over here. It's we can work together on everyone benefiting from shaking up these gender roles and we have the opportunity to do it now. In previous generations, we couldn't. So we say it's the best time in history to be a dad and we really, really believe that because dads can define themselves so much more broadly and be, be involved in new ways. Also, best time in history to be a mum because mums can define themselves how they want to as well. So that's all pretty exciting stuff. That's so true. It's such a um, exciting time. Um, you know, you know, I, I say that in, t- in terms of an exciting time for combining our voices to be that change. Uh, and I know that whilst we are in a bit of a, a, a tough, tough stage, um, the world going through the global pandemic, you know, it's introduced different um, environments, the blending of the home environment. It's, you know, the future of work has changed uh, and and both men and women, dads and mothers, are, are, you know, are seeing sides that perhaps they haven't seen before. Oh, definitely. And from a father's perspective, we speak to so many dads that are now working from home and they're experiencing things that they otherwise wouldn't have. So whether it might be, you know, day-to-day chores or dropping the kids off at school or whatever it will be. And when we talk to these dads, they say, yeah, after this whole thing's blown over, I'm not giving that back because that school drop-off is my favourite time of the week. And when I'm going into organisations now, I noticed it in one of our non-lockdown periods. It's pretty rare at the moment to be able to go to a workplace. But a couple of months ago, I drove into a workplace and I turned up at 10 o'clock because I'd done the primary school drop-off. And I actually had this moment thinking pre-pandemic, I would have been sweating bullets walking in at 10, thinking all eyes are on me, I'd rocked in late, it's a really bad look. Post-COVID, it wasn't a consideration anymore. 
Now, how amazing is that in terms of flexible work and enabling, particularly from a dad's perspective, I've got to say, I mean, dads have got so many advantages, so we don't claim to be a disadvantaged group, that's for certain. Um, but one thing, there is this bias towards dads being the primary worker and so an expectation. I know we, and often as fathers, we put that on ourselves rather than workplaces putting that on us. But to free that expectation up on my shoulders, for me to walk into a workplace at 10 and not feel like I was doing the wrong thing, gee, that frees me up to be involved in new ways. And maybe that was self-imposed anyway. But what an awesome opportunity with this change coming off the pandemic uh, where flexible work's just gone up, just you know, kind of increased. We've moved forward 20 years in two years, I think. That's so true, that that moving forward 20 years in two years, and thank God for that in many ways, as, mm. you know, as hard as it's been in, in other directions. You mentioned before that, you know, men of your generation are spending around three times more time with their children than their fathers did. That's phenomenal, Lee. I was wondering, you know, you, you're a busy man. You're a co-founder of The Fatherhood, and you also share the care of your three daughters. What have you had to stop doing in order to make the life that you want with your with your family and your business work? Mm, that, that's a really good question because it's a battle. It's like for anyone listening to the podcast, we, under, we understand it's not like this idealistic world where, oh, dads, get more involved. No, there's bills to pay and there's things to do. And as any small business owner would know, it's, you know, the, you never empty your inbox of <laughs> stuff to do. So it's tough. Uh, so for me personally, it's been some tough stuff. I, I work less. So what have I had to do? I've had to have less money. Is the is the, the the honest truth for me? I've had to change my values. Um, so pre fatherhood and pre small business owner, I was on large salaries in large organisations, which required me to fly around the country really regularly and be working really long hours. I actually don't think that's an option for me now. As a single dad, um, I don't think I could do it again. So, yeah, to directly answer your question, what I've had to do, I've had to forego finance. I've had to forego attaching my ego to roles on business cards. That's a big one. That was a big one for me, you know, not, not defining myself as my role. You know, turn up at the party and people ask, particularly in Melbourne, I think, where'd you go to school and what's your job? And kind of moving beyond dropping the big business title, I work in this big organisation in a really important role and I feel great because of that. Um, so, I had to let that go. Um, and yeah, so this rely uh, and build a, an environment where I could work flexibly, which is a real challenge, but that, that's, that's what I've had to let go of. Mm. Thank you for sharing all of that. It's, it's actually really powerful to hear someone admit that, um, and to share it in that way, because the letting go side of stepping into parenting is huge. And I think the more that we can talk about that. It's an ongoing battle. It's really hard. So mm. for me, I was fortunate enough. My parents worked really, really hard to send me to a private school and I loved my school education. So it's always been a goal for me to send my three daughters to private school. Now, as I sit here now, that's looking unlikely and that's something I've had to face and I still confront it every day. What's important to me, me being flexible, me being around or me going back and getting one of those big heavy hitter jobs where they probably could go to private school, and that's a daily battle. So that's for anyone out there. That's It's not easy. This stuff is not a clear-cut decision, but for me that's something I've had to really confront face and face up to and work out what's really important to me and what I think is going to be most important to my kids, which is the most important thing in my life. Um, and, yeah, that's a daily battle. It's not like something I've gone, oh, <laughs> achieve that, easy, done. It's, um, it's really tricky. I'm sure plenty, everyone uh, out there will be um, battling with similar things. Where do you spend your time? What's really important to you? And what we say with the fatherhood is going back, 
to your own values or if you're with a have a partner trying to talk about your own values as a couple as a partnership and so what do we want what lives do we want to live what lives do we want for our children and what does that look like because if you've got those things agree they be your touchstones of where you how you build your family life and 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 what you go back to 100% beautifully put Carrie mentioned at the top of the intro there that we love asking people in our community to practice their business pitch, but we also love making introductions. And as a small business owner, I'm sure that you also understand the power of that. So if there was anything right now in business or in life that we could get our community to help you with, what would it be? Introduce us to workplaces that want to drive positive change for their teams without question. So we're a struggling startup. You know, we, I, I want to do this as my life, um, but that's not, it's far from guaranteed. So we want to drive positive change in organisations for everyone's benefit, like I said a bit earlier. And so we need to be talking to HR departments that want to drive this change. And where we're often not understood in what we do with the fatherhood is people, organisations say, oh, we can't just do something for dads, we need to do something for everyone. Um, but I hope in what I've said today, people can understand that by driving this change and encouraging dads to work flexibly, everyone benefits. And we actually think it's the biggest thing getting in the way of equality in the workforce right now. Um, so we want to drive this positive change in organisations for the benefit of everyone. So to answer that question directly, <laughs> a little invite, here's these guys from the fatherhood. They're doing some really good stuff. Um, you should get them in to do a presentation. That would be amazing. Done. Consider it done. Send it to the universe. <laughs> yes, thank you. Thank you all. As a dad to three fairly young girls and a father figure in the broader community, what do you find are some of the transferable skills between business and mm. being dad? <laughs> Negotiation comes up quite a bit. Hostage, um, hostage level. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's a very interesting question, Carrie. I I think with work, it's kind of interpersonal skills, isn't it? Like when, when, the transferable skills across roles in organisations I've had over the years, I often think it's planning and interpersonal skills are really transferable. Like there's technical skills in roles. Like you're a doctor, you've got to learn certain, certain stuff. You're an accountant, you've got to learn certain stuff. But often in the workplace, these planning and interpersonal skills are the things that transfer across roles. And I'd say the same thing across professional roles into into parenting roles. So whether it's planning for the week ahead, you're a small business owner, you've got to work out how you're going to get these things done. Prioritising, planning out the week it are skills that I think are really transferable, juggling competing priorities. Um, and again, for small business owners, the thing that we have to do is be flexible. Um, and as a parent, like one thing I just think really strikes me since being a parent is it changes every week. <laughs> Kids grow up, they're when they're little, the rub on the back to get them to sleep used to work last week, ain't working this week. Um, <laughs> and that doesn't stop. Like my, my eldest is now 10 and the, the, the game changes constantly. She's growing up. And so that flexibility and thought to adapt to the environment and see sort of, that's, that's a skill that I think we all have as small business owners and <laughs> cheapers. <laughs> We, we see in the fatherhood, we say being a dad's the champions league of manhood. Like it's kind of next level stuff. And I'd say those little those skills that are handy in work go next level when you become a parent and you really got to draw. Yeah, so much respect. And and another sort of term comes to mind, it's that adapt, improvise and overcome. <laughs> With heavy emphasis on overcome, I think. Are you overcoming? Can you give me the tips? I feel like I'm overcoming at the moment. Um, 
<laughs> certainly, yeah. Uh, now, at Mums & Co, um, we're first and foremost a community and movement and we deeply care for and always like to acknowledge the support of our co. Um, so this is the parents, the friends, the family, clients, um, you know, your village that support support us and our businesses. Can you tell us about your co and how they support you? Well, I have I've called in some co uh, right now. My my mum and dad are here. Grandma and grandpa are walking around a park at the moment to give some airtime to reduce a bit of background noise for this podcast. So I'd, I'd say grandparents are a really important part of my co. Um, another part of my co is my business partners, where we can provide flexibility to each other and tag each other in and out. And I think that's really important. You are in a business partnership to, to have those conversations and because that happens as we're all parents and uh, competing priorities and we do allow each other to come in and out. And I think that's pretty important in what we're doing. So one of us will take a meeting, for example, I'm busy this afternoon, I, you know, I've got to do netball practice and um, the other one takes the meeting as a kind of simple example. And the other co I, I talk about is um, I'm, I'm in a separated uh, situation, so single father. Uh, and separations, I mean, that's that's a, that's a topic for a podcast series, not just a podcast, um, but that's pretty complicated um, in managing that. I'm only two years separated, so it's all pretty fresh relatively. But I'd say my ex-partner is a fundamental part of my co in tr- working together to try and f- allow each other time. So there's regular communication between us to try and give each other certain times off to do meetings and that that is a constantly uh, requiring communication and planning situation. Uh, yes, and my ex uh, is definitely part of my co and we're having three children together. We'll be part of each other's co for the rest of our lives. So it's, um, it's getting that to a place where we can um, listen to each other and, and understand our competing priorities and, and work together to help each other. That's actually a perfect segue to the next question we had for you because you know, as you say, being a single parent, sharing the care of your daughters. In fact, it's about seven percent of our business owning mums are single mothers as well. What do you think that the dynamic and changes to your family life over the last couple of years has brought to your experience of running a business? Um, it's brought challenges, I'd say, is the first thing to come to mind for me there, Lucy. So, yeah, the, the challenge for me is in being a single parent, I think when you've got two parents under the one roof, there is this ability, particularly within a pandemic, but day to day regardless of that, is to tag each other in and out. So I've got this client presentation at this meeting. Can you can you take the kids from three to four or can you do that? When you're under the same roof, there is this day-to-day tagging in and out in, in partnerships. When you're in a separated arrangement and single parents, I've really missed that. So there's this the tagging in and out for, for small chunks of time is harder and you're almost tagging in and out on larger chunks of time. Might be a few days you have the kids, might be a week you've got the kids, or if there's single mums out there, they might have more than 50-50, so they've got the kids a lot more. So they'll be needing to call in call in the reinforcements, the nannies, the parents, or whatever they can do, the friends, the neighbours, all Anyone, that. Anyone. <laughs> Anyone have that network <laughs> of tag out. Because we need it, we all need it. You got, you got, you got to pay the bills. You got, to, you got so you got to be doing. You got to allow that. So I found that hard as a single parent. The day to day tag out becomes a bit, a lot harder. Um, so uh, provide setting up frameworks around yourself to uh, um, to to allow that, which you all, we all need, has been really important for me. Thank you for sharing that. 
So, Jeremy, you play a pivotal role at the Fatherhood in terms of being open and sharing your personal life experiences. And this is so important. We see, you know, you need to be able to see what you can be. Um, I'm just wondering if there's something about Jeremy that we might actually not see on, you know, social media and LinkedIn. And is is there a side of you that um, we haven't seen? (laughs) The rock star side? Uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I wish there was a rock star side. Um, aside to me, I haven't seen. Heaps, for sure. We all have our inner monologue. I just try and live what I believe is really important is that we try and have these conversations. In the work that I do with Movember, we talk about men having the courage to admit they don't have the answers, kind of kill those harmful masculine stereotypes as you've got to be strong, you've got to be stoic, the strong, silent type, and encourage the sharing of experience which helps us all. So I try and live that which is why I'm happy to share experiences on podcasts like this because I think it's really important for all of us um, to have that shared understanding, particularly for blokes. But, yeah, there's heaps of stuff going on behind the scenes. Um, A couple of days ago, I've got a a daughter that's really sick at the moment. And so, yeah, my inner demon was going, okay, so you're you're failing your marriage, mate, and uh, your kid's in hospital at the moment. You're failing, failing her as well. (laughs) How are you going, champ? So, I was the inner monologue I had going a couple of days ago. So, I think we've all got these things behind the scenes that we – that um, that are pretty ugly, and um, part of our challenge is to not listen to them and um, and try and move past them and 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 get on with our lives without um, having these. So yeah, uh, it's got to be dark to answer that question, but that's what's my answer to it. Is there's things going on behind the scenes for me, absolute lack of confidence at times, and questioning what I'm doing, and all sorts of stuff. Uh, fear, fear around where things are going, um, but we've just got to trust ourselves and push through that stuff. Thank you for that vulnerability and, and sharing that. And I think that that is part of, um, I'm fascinated. I was listening to a talk about the concept of masculinity um, and where that has come from and where that's been shaped and the role models that you've had in terms of masculinity. So I think you're doing, you know, as an advocate, you've got a couple of layers of that too, don't you? You don't, you know, you're doing it for everyone else. You're doing it for yourself and, no, I just appreciate that honesty. Uh, thanks. Yeah, I, I, it does light me up, this topic. And i got brothers in my – who knows why? I don't know. I've got brothers in my family. Um, so that's probably part of it. The I lost a couple of friends to suicide, a couple of my male friends from high school. Um, that was a pivotal moment in my life. Um, so, yeah, I, I feel really passionately about this. And like we've been talking about, it's, it's for the benefit of everyone. Um, there's some pretty awful things happening out there with men behaving badly and – uh, we need to we need to address those things for the benefit of everyone, and yeah, I don't come at it. I think it's really hard. It's not at all helpful to come in and say like even the phrase toxic masculinity. I got a real problem with um, because it's sort of saying men are broken, but that's not true. Men are men aren't broken. We need to take some of these things that have been born into us and use them for really good things. So strength and courage are fantastic values. They're just not good when they're interpreted as strong silent type. But the strength to have the, for example, to have the guts to go there in conversation, the strength to call a friend and ask how they're really going, I mean, that's a beautiful thing. So we've got this, again, fantastic opportunity to to open these things up um, for the benefit of everyone and they're beautiful traits. They're fantastic traits, courage, resilience. It's awesome. Uh, it's just pointing them in the right direction uh, for the benefit of everyone. Here, here. Now, the fatherhood is a celebration and advocacy of men 
uh, and advocating for that change that we want to see in the type of support for, for parenthood and children and families in Australia. I'm, I'm interested to hear what has this meant in terms of your approach to the idea of risk in your business? So, you know, are there any processes? Are there any measures? How do you view risk and how do you how do you, um, what do you put in place to protect um, your business? Probably not enough. <laughs> Sorry, so I care. not enough. There, there is a bit of, there is a lot of risk. There's a lot of unknown in what we're doing with the fatherhood, that's for sure. And maybe that's, there's this entrepreneurial spirit that I'm sure your listeners would share in doing what they do. There is a, we, we speak regularly and it's hard staying on, um, staying on the plan when you're in a small business and there's opportunities popping up, but more importantly, challenges popping up. You know, revenue is not where you want it to be. Maybe we need to pivot, to use that overused term. So, yeah, we're not de-risked enough to be, you know, to be frank. And that's, uh, again, in small business, It's a, I was having a conversation with Luke, one of my partners, directly before this recording of here's an opportunity that's come up. Do we go for it? You know, do we, do we jump over here um, to try and, and, to be frank, to keep our business alive? You know, it's not like a nice, not a nice, pleasant kind of, oh, there's a nice opportunity. It's like, no, 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 we need revenue. We need to keep this thing going. And maybe that's the opportunity. So we're certainly not de-risked enough. And we're just now trying to find a place for the fatherhood to to put us in a position where we can thrive or, you know, can exist, to use a more frank term, for the next five years. Jeremy, you've given us such an incredible overview of, of your passion for what you do at the fatherhood and also what you guys are are aiming for. I like to bring those kind of things right down to the the granular level in the in terms of the dinner table conversation. So, if there was one thing that you would encourage us all as mums and dads at the moment to have around the dinner table in regard to making a change in this area, what do you think that would be? It's tough, gee, that's a good question because there's so much we need to do. I'm going to hit you with a really hard one that um but again, I'm I'm through a, a marriage that um, it's ended, so I guess that's why I see this with such an acute lens. Um, it's open conversations. It's providing safe spaces to have across the dinner table, or you know, maybe one on one in partnerships, whether it's a business partnership or a, um, a, a you know a marriage. Um, open, honest conversations about. In, in a safe environment. Like that is so hard to do. That is really, really tough. And in the work that I do with Movember, we do a lot of work on that, helping men, what we call hold space for each other. So have an emotionally vulnerable conversation where the heart starts beating a bit more, the sweat's on the brow. You think, oh, jeepers, we're getting into really tough stuff here. We're getting into the real stuff. We're not talking about footy anymore. We're talking about a different difference of opinion. Or we're talking about, you know, how someone's relationship is going and holding space. You don't have to be a counsellor. You just have to be able to hold space and stay there for that person. And the same in any partnership. So being able to say whether it's a business one, that's an easier one to talk about. Oh, I didn't like the way that meeting went last week or, you know, have an honest conversation and hold space for each other is really important. And it, nowhere is it more important than in a family life. Um, and that's something I'll, I'm going to be trying to get better for the for, for my future because um, I'm sitting here as, as a person with evidence on the scoreboard of where I haven't got it right, um, of being able to have um, those conversations in the moment so resentment doesn't build uh, and you can then work together as a team to adjust things where you might need to uh, based on how people are feeling, uh, so providing uh those safe environments to say what you're really thinking and then not take offence and all that sort of stuff. Hold the space for each other. It's so important. I love that and I and I wholeheartedly agree. And I'm also thinking listening to you talk about that, that 
it's actually also important to keep having them. Like you can't just have one. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, you've got to have more than one. But I think what I'm hearing you say as well, once you start that process, it's almost a neurological thing in a lot of ways, you know, just encouraging yourself to get out of that, step out of that fear, have that first one and go right back and have the second one. Yeah. And the fourth. So I've noticed myself even embracing a little bit. Is this like, oh, it's, it's hard. It's really hard. And what we do with the Movember work, we, I'll talk about it because it's easier to think from a guy's perspective. We encourage people to dip in and out. It's not like life becomes really serious all of a sudden you're having these big, deep and meaningfuls. So you're having an open, honest conversation. And then you can go back to talking about the footy and cracking jokes five minutes later, but it's coming in. And like you're saying there, Lucy, it's building an environment where it's safe and you can do it. It happens regularly. That's actually the goal where it happens regularly. This and and that resentment doesn't build. So yeah, I totally agree. It's not the once a year tick. We had our team meeting. See you, everyone. <laughs> it's tough stuff, um, but great stuff. Love it. Thank you for sharing that. So you know, you've described a, a, a pretty busy life right now for you with lots going on and lots to pay attention to. What are you doing to look after yourself? Is there something that you use daily or weekly that really grounds you and helps to enhance a feeling of well-being? Yeah, there is. So what, one thing we talk about in our presentations with the fatherhood is you, you can't pour for an empty cup. And I know I got this wrong as a dad early on. Um, you know, as parents, the most important thing in our lives for just about every parent is going to be our, our family and our children. And so we focus on that. And when you're a small business owner, um, it, you know, there aren't many hours in the week. So I sacrificed, um, like a lot of parents do, so I'm not claiming to be a hero, but I sacrificed a lot of my own stuff, a lot of cut filling stuff. Um, for me, you know, running was a really big thing before I was a parent and it kind of evaporated out of my life. Um, music, I play guitar. And so that's one thing that I, I'm doing now. I wasn't doing years ago. I play, I got my guitar in the in the living room and I pick it up regularly uh, and really enjoy that. And another one that's a bit of fun is a surf park that's opened up in Melbourne. It's called Urban Surf. Mm. And back in the day, I used to surf a bit and I just hadn't picked up a surfboard for a long time. And I've been going out to Urban Surf. That's my thing. It's a, you know, go out there, get an hour session. I can't do it in lockdown, unfortunately, but... That's when I'm trying to make the time and be disciplined to go, right, on Thursday I booked a session, it's Urban Surf and it's at 2 o'clock. So, and uh, that's my cup filler. So for people out there, I'd certainly encourage make time for yourself because if you do fill your own cup, you become a better business partner, better parent, better partner. Um, but for me, music, bit of exercise and some surfing. Sounds great. Hopefully you'll get some time for that soon as well. Yeah, hopefully. At, um, at Mums & Co, we, we talk about harmony as this triangle of ambition, livelihood, and well-being. It's like this trinity. Um, could you describe the shape of a good life for you? That's a beautiful harmony, trinity. I think we're all working towards that, aren't we? Um, for me, what I'm trying to do is build a life where I, I have a passion for what I'm doing in my work that, that um, pays the bills, um, not work for money, which is, I think, where I started my career. Like, if you early on in my career, someone had said, "Oh, Jeremy, we've got another job over here, and we're going to pay you twenty grand more, thirty grand more," I would have done it. You know, it was the barometer of kind of of success in work was the salary. And so, for me, that sort of trinity is around being lit up and role modelling that for my kids is an important part of this as well. So, doing something that's really meaningful that I love in my work, and having that um, successful enough that it can pay the bills, which is a a life and pay by pay the bills. I've got to define what my own values are on that. It's not drive a flash car. I can tell you that much, but where does that sit for me? I'm not 
still working that out, still wrestling with that, um, what income is required to lead, to, to lead a happy life for me and for my children. Yeah, and how you described it in terms of that work of meaning, I, I think, you know, having these amazing people and, young, you know, little people in our lives, that mm. does put a lens on that, doesn't it? It actually, you, you kind of drill down into what's really important. It does, and we're role modelling for them. So for me to have their their dad lit up doing work that's meaningful to him. And and I, I think it's really important that I don't come across as really preachy. Like I don't think that needs to be working for World Vision to be work of meaning. It's work of meaning for you. And that might be I really love being an accountant. And I just pulled that out of thin air as the first thing that came to mind because I really love helping people sort their numbers out and it's a great service I can provide. I'm really good at it. I get a lot of satisfaction from it. And that's a really, that's a wonderful thing. So, work that's meaningful that you, you really enjoy, you feel like you're um, you, you're providing a great service and using your skills to to make the world a better place. That's awesome, and that doesn't have to be solving climate change. Um, that can be whatever lights you up. And so for me, it's been adjusting that a little bit rather than saying what lights me up is what's got the biggest salary attached to it. Well, no, not necessarily. What lights me up is where is what I was saying a bit earlier, but balancing that. In amongst the day-to-day battles of financial requirements, and it's a it's a stress. Housing prices are going up; like it's not easy. Yeah, I love to find your own metrics of success. Now, to those that are considering starting or uh, a business or a more community-minded social enterprise um, type that advocates the way that fatherhood does, what is the most important tip you'd like to share with them? I would say for anyone thinking about doing it. There's opportunities out there that you don't see now. And like some, when I was um, working in organisations, I'm a pretty risk-averse personality, I think. And before I went and started my own or I became a consultant first, um, I was really afraid of lo- leaving full-time job because you can't see what's ahead of you. And a friend said to me, a really smart friend of mine, a guy named Brooke, he said, there is a saying, jump and the net will appear, which doesn't want you don't want it to be too kind of... You know, as I said earlier, we haven't got really the risk matrix sorted for the fatherhood. Got to go, got to write that one. Um, so you don't want to, I don't want to kind of advocate for being crazy, um, but there is a little bit of um, what I've found in being a consultant, so self-employed, and then saying that is when you get out there, these opportunities pop up. These conversations happen like this conversation that might lead to another one. Um, it's like Seth Godin, who's an unreal marketing guru, talks about it all the time. His 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 thing is um, publish. Do it. Do it. Don't overthink it. Get it done. So get your website up and go and go and go for it. And so that's been the thing behind me is I'm a real overthinker. Um, so get it up and adjust. Get up and adjust. And that's where it's impacted the fatherhood. We started as a media business. And two years down the path, we've gone, now nah, forget that. We've got our blog and stuff, but we're a workplace support organization. That's where we're going to drive the change. And that only happened because we got out there and showed ourselves to the world and then the woman, oh, great, love what you're doing, you should be over here. And the world kind of came at us, organisations coming at us saying, can you guys come and talk to our, our dads? And so I'd say to anyone out there, jump and leap in the net will appear kind of thing, have a crack, get out in the world and you'll adjust your business model and adjust your pitch by pushing yourself out into the market. Great advice and, um, you know, stepping into that unknown but also knowing that when you share your vision, people will actually, you know, start showing interest and you'll start to figure out who exactly is your customer, you know, and you might have thought it was the 
the the end user, but you end up, you know, maybe you then realize actually it's it's a, more of a business to consumer model. Like you you know, you got to find that path as people get to know your story. And it's um it's probably guaranteed to change. I reckon. Like I can't think of a business that starts and then ends ten years later and goes, oh yeah, we were right. Our business plan was bang on. I got all your definition. Got it. Like it's gonna change. Um, and that's the exciting part of it, I think. So, um, yeah. Um, well, that's that's been my experience. And if I could talk to myself ten years ago, I'd be saying those type of things to myself. You know, have have a go, and 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 things will pop up. Wouldn't that be great if we could actually talk to ourselves from <laughs> ten years ago? That so good. Someone needs to invent that. That's a good business idea. Yeah. <laughs> so, Jeremy, to round out this great chat with you, typically we ask our next question in the spirit of women supporting women. So today we're going to have two parts to the question. Who are the mumbitious and dadbitious? So that's the parents that you know who are unapologetically blending their ambition and their fatherhood or motherhood that you would like to give a shout out to. I'm really lucky. I have some friends that I met at school um, that are still my friends today uh, and they have shaped me in a huge way. Um, so I shout out to all my crew kind of thing, my mates. Um, and what they've done is they've done exactly what you're talking about there, Lucy, blended life and family. So they haven't, um, they still do what they love, whether it's a writer or a musician or whatever it might be, and blend that with their family life. And for your listeners, someone that is a friend of mine that they would know to give them something to hang on to is a singer by the name of Claire Bowditch. Um, she's a mate of mine, my, actually Marty, her, her husband, I went to school with. And they've just done an amazing job, the two of them in partnership. Of He's a producer. He's the kind of guy behind the scenes helping to um, record her music and get her out there on tour. And they've managed to do that as being parents. They started her career really when Asha, their first uh, baby, was just born. And I've got a memory. I'll never forget it. I was at the ARIA Awards many, many years ago and Claire's up on stage. I was there actually when I was an exec within a radio business. I was at a sort of corporate table <laughs> trying to be professional. Claire's up on stage singing, winning Best Female Artist and she sang and she was pregnant with their two twins. So huge tummy, about to give birth to two twins and she's up there singing. And what a beautiful uh, image of someone living their life and balancing being a mother with pulling off best female artist. And I was at my table kind of <laughs> bawling. I'm like, ah, I'm trying to keep it together. So, yeah, I'd say my crew, and that's 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 one that people would know, but there's many more, many more of my friends that are really good at um, staying true, true to themselves and and balancing the, the challenges. Thank you for sharing that, Jeremy, and thank you so much for this really lovely, insightful chat. I feel like we've learned a lot about you and a lot about the work the fatherhood are doing. So thank you. And thank you everyone else for joining us today in your company. We hope you've enjoyed the podcast. And if you'd like to follow Jeremy, you can find him on Instagram at Jeremy McBean. And if you haven't already, please come and join our ambitious, supportive movement of thousands of Australian business-owning women just like you at mumsandco.com.au. You'd say hi to, hi to Jeremy, he's here. Hi, Jeremy. Hi. How's it going? Good. What's your favourite thing to do with your kids? There's lots and lots of... How long can we talk for? I love hanging out with my kids. They're my favourite peeps to hang with. Um, and we're doing a lot of it at the moment because we're all locked down together, which I actually really like. Um, and so I would say now the favourite thing for me to do with my kids at the moment 
is to watch TV together. So rather than all go off and watch our own shows on our own devices, we get together and watch The Voice on telly at the moment, which I'm loving. So after dinner time, get together and sit down because I love music. And so for me, I'm really into it. And my girls really like it too. They're 10, 8 and 6 years old and we watch the auditions and try and predict predict which uh, coach they're going to go with. I reckon she'll go with Keith, Team Keith for sure. Yes. Uh, And so we love that together. And, yeah, we get a bit excited. We're trying to pick who's going to win the whole thing. So for me, my favourite thing at the moment is voice time together. Thank you. That's a pleasure. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Mumbition by Mums & Co. Head over to the show notes for a full transcript of the interview and any links we have referred to. Mums & Co. is Australia's most caring business network for women. Join us today for just $30 at mumsandco.com.au. This podcast was produced and edited by Morgan Sebastian Brown of Brown Tree Productions and hosted by Kerry Kwan, co-founder of Mums & Co., and community manager Lucy Kippist. We love hearing your feedback, so if you haven't already, please share, rate and review this podcast and we can reach more business-owning mothers just like you.